Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wednesday Night Prayer Meeting, a podcast about the history of jazz told from the perspective of someone who's been piecing it together one record at a time over the course of 20-odd years digging through record bins. From Hermosa Beach, California, I'm your host, Frank, and this week's episode is going to be a little different uh, because this has been a really sad, intense week in America. The video of Minneapolis police officers killing George Floyd is horrifying and personally stirred up a lot of really visceral, terrible feelings that I have towards police, feelings rooted in my own far too numerous interactions with police officers. As the video circulated and unrest began to stir all over the country, I found myself thinking a lot about Alabama, a song that John Coltrane composed in 1963 in response to another tragic murder that shocked the nation. In September of that year, four members of the Ku Klux Klan detonated dynamite under the steps of the African-American 16th Street Baptist Church in Birmingham, Alabama, killing 14-year-olds Addie Mae Collins, Cynthia Wesley, and Carol Robertson, and 11-year-old Carol Denise McNair. I had heard for years that Coltrane's song was inspired by the eulogy that Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered for the girls, but prior to this week I'd never taken the time to track down Dr. King's eulogy. This week I'd like to play both for you back to back. First, Dr. King's eulogy, delivered on September 18, 1963, titled Eulogy for the Martyred Children, which is about seven minutes long. And then a version of Alabama performed on December 7, 1963, on the jazz casual television show, with John Coltrane on tenor saxophone, McCoy Tyner on piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums. Dr. King's eulogy struck me as especially powerful after the Monday night actions of our current president, who in response to a national tragedy and the resulting widespread unrest gave a blustery, threatening, semi-coherent, tone-deaf, wannabe strongman address before having police violently clear his path of peaceful protesters so that he could stage a cynical photo op where he awkwardly, ham-handedly held up a Bible as a prop. Listeners often get the impression from the name of this podcast that I'm religious, and while I'm not especially religious, I was deeply moved by Dr. King's appeal to his faith to bring hope, comfort, and dignity in a time of tragedy and mourning. The contrast couldn't be more stark between a leader who spouts platitudes of strength and domination, transparently attempting to cloak his actions in religious symbiology on the one hand, and one who thoughtfully displays the strength of faith, hope, peace and love that are the highest, truest expressions of such religion on the other. Thank you for listening. Again, this is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s eulogy for the martyred children, followed by John Coltrane's Alabama. Enjoy. These children, unoffending, innocent, and beautiful, were the victims of one of the most vicious and tragic crimes ever perpetrated against humanity. Yet they died nobly. They are the martyred herons of a holy crusade for freedom and human dignity. And so this afternoon, in a real sense, they have something to say to each of us in that death. They have something to say to every minister of the gospel 
who has remained silent behind the safe security of stained glass windows. They have something to say to every politician who has fed his constituents with the stale bread of hatred and the spoiled meat of racism. They have something to say to a federal government that has compromised with the undemocratic practices of Southern Dixocrats and the blatant hypocrisy of right-wing Northern Republicans. They have something to say to every Negro who has passively accepted the evil system of segregation and who has stood on the sidelines in a mighty struggle for justice. They say to each of us, black and white alike, that we must substitute courage for caution. They say to us that we must be concerned not merely about who murdered them, but about the system, the way of life, the philosophy which produced the murderers. That death says to us that we must work passionately and unrelentingly for the realization of the American dream. And so, my friends, they did not die in vain. God still has a way of wringing good out of evil. And history has proven over and over again that unmerited suffering is redemptive. The innocent blood of these little girls may well serve as a redemptive force that will bring new light to this dark city. The Holy Scripture says, A little child shall lead them. The death of these little children may lead our whole Southland from the low road of man's inhumanity to man to the high road of peace and brotherhood. These tragic deaths may lead our nation to substitute an aristocracy of character for an aristocracy of color. The spilled blood of these innocent girls may cause the whole citizenry of Birmingham to transform the negative extremes of a dark past into the positive extremes of a bright future. Indeed, this tragic event may cause the White South to come to terms with its conscience. And so I stand here to say this afternoon to all assembled here, that in spite of the darkness of this hour, we must not despair. We must not become bitter. Nor must we harbor the desire to retaliate with violence. No, we must not lose faith in our white brothers. Somehow we must believe that the most misguided among them can learn to respect the dignity and the worth of all human personality. I say to you in conclusion, life is hard. At times as hard as crucible steel, it has its bleak and difficult moments. 
like the ever-flowing waters of the river. Life has its moments of drought and its moments of flood, like the ever-changing cycle of the seasons. Life has the soothing warmth of its summers and the piercing chill of its winters. And if one will hold on, he will discover that God walks with him and that God is able to lift you from the fatigue of despair to the buoyancy of hope and transform dark and desolate valleys into sunlit paths of inner peace. And so today you do not walk alone. You gave to this world wonderful children. They didn't live long lives, but lives, but they lived a meaningful lives. Their lives were distressingly small in quantity, but glowingly large in quality. And no greater tribute can be paid to you as parents, and no greater epitaph can come to them as children. And where they died, and what they were doing when they died. They did not die in the dives and dens of Birmingham, nor did they die discussing and listening to filthy jokes. They died uh, between the sacred walls of the Church of God, and they were discussing the eternal meaning of love. This stands out as a beautiful, beautiful thing for all generations. Shakespeare had Horatio to say some beautiful words as he stood over the dead body of Hamlet. And today as I stand over the remains of these beautiful darling girls, I paraphrase the words of Shakespeare. Good night, sweet princesses. Good night, those who symbolize a new day. And may the flight of angels take thee to thy eternal rest. God bless you. Mm-hmm.